Welcome back, listeners. Episode 16, Taking Care of Basic Needs, December 7, 2020. I was watching the Sunday Unity Service when I became distracted by the birdies perched on the leafless limbs of the crepe myrtles that align my recently washed family room windows. I missed a few points Reverend Sylvia made about conscious healing because the chickadees were bouncing on the skinny ends of two of the limbs. They seemed to be entertaining themselves, bouncing together like two trapeze artists about to make a serious move. They sat there, comfortable, for what seemed like a few minutes, making the most out of that wintry-like Sunday morning. My eyes shifted to the leftmost window, closest to my easy chair. A female cardinal alighted the top ledge of one of the lattice panels, and she looked heavy with child. She moved her head in sharp movements, looking all around her, perhaps looking for remnants of grassy things to make her nest, a temporary home for her and her new babies. She sat there for a long time as I watched the wind blow her close-cropped feathers. Birds make a nest wherever they can, as evident of the ones under my deck floor and the appearance of the ones in the trees after the leaves have fallen. They seem to know how to make the best of the situation since they have no permanent home. They like my bird feeders, and I try to keep them filled especially because the birds seem to peer into my family room or kitchen windows, using bird body language that seemed to say, Hey, the feeders are empty, child. (laughs) I feed them, as well as a few straight neighborhood cats. The cats are interesting to watch. One is coal black with neon eyes. Yes, I've gotten that close to the feral feline. I call her Neona, having her sex confirmed by my animal-loving longtime neighbor who lives at the end of my cul-de-sac. Smokey, the light gray striped cat, competes with Neona for the food I put out every few days. I watch out of those same family family room windows as the two crawl down the hill at different points in the day, heading to my backyard and walking stealthily past my basement French doors. That's where I put the food in a nice pet dish I found at the thrift store for $4. Distraction over, I get back to the TV service. Reverend Sylvia has completed her introductory comments as well as announcements and has now begun her sermon using as an example of how one of our practices for healing could be taking inventory to see whether our basic needs are being met or are in place. Personal security, she said, is an important physical need. She shared her encounter with a homeless man who that morning had used the entrance to the church as refuge on a cold Saturday night and looked questioningly at the senior minister as she tried to enter. Immediately, she noticed her fear of not feeling secure, but quickly used a proactive approach, projecting a persona of kindness. The story was the second mentioning of homelessness just that morning. 
As I ate my warm bowl of oatmeal with chopped apples and walnuts, ground flax seeds, a sprinkle of cinnamon, and a little almond milk, I watched the opening story of my favorite show, CBS Sunday Morning. The piece was on homelessness due to COVID-19. Homelessness is not a new social problem in America, but with COVID causing lockdowns, shutdowns, and loss of income, there are more people about to be homeless. One of the early COVID restrictions was a moratorium that was placed on evictions by many governors until the end of the year. But in some states, that has not been the case, and people are living in their cars now if there aren't any nearby relatives to take them in. It's ironic that these two stories would occur on the same morning and the week after I'd started thinking about the homeless, the pre-COVID era homeless, that is. I had an idea at that time to prepare gift bags filled with simple, basic items and distribute them to the homeless in my area or in Washington, D.C. It is Christmas time, and things are going to be as different for this holiday as it was for Thanksgiving. I don't buy lots of gifts for my family as I once did when I was younger, when all of us were younger. Niece and nephews, siblings and their spouses, daddy and mom. Well, I still do mom. But that era is over, child. Thank you, God. Yet, I still have a Christmas Club savings account with my credit union. And since I haven't been spending money or traveling, I thought I could do something more meaningful more than sending organizations a donation when they start their end-of-year mail requests as early as October. Hearing the two stories so close to each other affirm that I should execute my giving idea and help those without a home. When I was a young teenager, I used to walk to the downtown Baltimore branch of the Enid Pratt Free Library, which was the nearest branch for me. In those days, the harbor area was one I tried to avoid because it was filled with what we called hobos and derelicts. If I forgot to take a more safe route, I would see people who were nestled in building corners, bundled with clothes tied up or placed in an old shopping cart. They would stick out their hand as I walked by. Sometimes it would be a cup of some kind that they shoved in my direction and simultaneously asked me for money. I was trained not to acknowledge their requests for fear of being harmed if I got too close. But I can still visualize the hands of many of them, their fingers and nails with years of dirt and grime, their faces smudged with years of living on the streets. When I eventually worked at Enid Pratt as an IBM retiree and a newly trained librarian, I would see homeless people lining up across the street from the library's entrance, gathering around the building next door to the Basilica where my high school graduation was held, waiting to get a free meal. One Sunday, Mom and I were coming from St. Bernardine's Church when as we stopped at a red light, a homeless person approached the car, asking if we could help them get something to eat. I reached into the change cubby in my car, wound down the window, and smelled the remnants of alcohol from their last liquid meal. 
Mom was nervous about my response, but subsequently reached into her purse and found a dollar. A new Scrabble friend once told me she tries to have a lot of $1 bills handy to give to the homeless people whom she sees as she exits the Washington, D.C. metro on the way to her office. I didn't always take this dilemma seriously, nor did another friend, a longtime friend. I was in between permanent housing when after I received a promotion, I was working in Baltimore. I was living in Germantown and was lucky enough to get a promotion that came with a moving and living package. That meant IBM would pay for all expenses associated with my relocation. Yeah, Big Blue was a great company to work for, child. My townhouse sold quickly, and that complicated matters. I didn't have a place to move to. I was potentially a homeless person, according to that friend and my son was in his first year in high school and had been selected to take special college prep courses, so I didn't want to change schools, at least not for a year. Frantic, I had a meeting with HR, and they informed me that costs incurred for interim living arrangements would be covered. What a relief. I moved into a two-bedroom apartment not far from the high school, in walking distance. But that meant I would still have the 51-mile-each-way commute to downtown Baltimore. Almost nine months later, I moved into my current home. When Mitch Schneider, an advocate for the homeless, died a few months after I moved here, my longtime friend jokingly claimed he was heartbroken because I could no longer help him with his advocacy. But seriously... This time of year is when I consider giving to those charitable organizations who send me mail in October. Often I include Habitat for Humanity in the pile of requests. President Jimmy Carter might not have had the heart for Washington politics, but his idea to help people live comfortably is one of his best political giving programs. During my walks, I often find pennies, nickels, dimes on my route, sometimes quarters, and once a dollar. I am elated when I find them, and when I get home, I put them in a little margarine cup. At the end of the year, the cup is overflowing, and I find a Salvation Army red kettle outside a retail store and dump the contents of that cup. I marvel at how the homeless make the best of a horrible situation. Those that are newly homeless because of COVID-19 and who have school-aged children have been reported to park near a fast food restaurant or library in order to get free Wi-Fi for their virtual education. People must find a way to use the bathroom during the day. And the woman in the CBS Sunday morning piece shared how gas stations are her best bet. Reverend Sylvia's encounter with the homeless man in the church doorway ended when she instructed the homeless man to not be at the entrance when the virtual service recording was completed. I wonder where he went for his daytime activities. Christmas time is a giving time established with the belief that God gave us the gift of his only begotten son, Jesus, sent to redeem us all, 
homeless or not. My hope for this year is that people who have can find a way to give to people who have not. According to the spiritual song, God's eye is on the sparrow. But that doesn't mean we can't help the sparrow or the homeless. This year, I am up in my game, child. Till next time.